Tonight we're gonna be in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up there with us, Luke chapter 15, but don't worry, if you don't have one, we got you. It's gonna be on the side screens. But this is the word of the Lord. It says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between the two boys. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country. And it was there where he squandered his wealth and wild living. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And yet here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. And I know I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired servants. So with that, he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and then kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. And I know I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, you can go ahead and be seated. Well, if you were with us the last time we gathered, we kicked off this brand new series titled Belonging that's gonna exist for over three weeks as we study this parable found in Luke chapter 15. And if you remember, I talked about the power of this parable, how it's captured not only the attention of Christ followers as it's in the Bible, but it's also captured the attention of culture as this piece of scripture has been transformed into literature, into filmings, into paintings. In fact, one of the most pa famous paintings is one that I have up here with me today. This is Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son return. And if you look at it, there's so many details that are present. You see the son dressed in rags, just falling at his father's feet. The only thing that he's carrying with him is his father's signature sword that represents the power that he's still a son. You see the father dressed in his best robes, and intricately with every single detail, we see how his hands are placed upon his son. There's so many details present in this one painting. But you know, I live by this phrase in life and it's, don't miss it. I can quite often say it a lot. And the fact is, is when we look at paintings and when we look like art like this, quite often we'll just seem to miss some things. And this is especially true for me, but it's not just when it comes to creative things like paintings. This is actually true in a majority of my life. One of the most famous ways it's true for me is when driving. Okay, I don't know why. I'm gonna be honest with you, because it's the house of the Lord. I know I'm not the world's best driver. God has given people spiritual gifts. Mine is not driving. And I could tell you a plethora of different stories. But the one I wanna tell you is this. There was once when I went to college, and I was coming back home, and I was spending time with my family. And as I was backing out my car from the driveway, I heard a thud. And I turned, and I had ran into all the trash cans that were on the side of the curb. Now, I'm glad you laughed, because I didn't. And I remember getting out like a good citizen, you know, I was like picking up the trash. And I don't know if growing up, your parents were like all sweet and sensitive. Mine weren't, especially my Connecticut father. He called me and he said, Abby, are you having fun? And I said, excuse me, what? And he says, yeah, I'm at work and me and all my buddies just watched you run into all the trash cans. And I said, how rude, father. I just missed it, I don't know how. See, so often, we can miss things. But it's not just me. I have a friend, his name is Cyrus, 
And about a year ago, he came up to me and he said, Abby, I've done something horrible. I accidentally asked out your best friend on a date and she said no. And I said, oh man, Cyrus, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, what happened? And he said, it was terrible. We were talking about my favorite shoes. And then I told her, you know, shopping for shoes, just the two of us sounds like a great time. And she said nothing. <laughs> and I said, well, Cyrus, it's because you didn't ask her out on a date. Like you didn't, if you're gonna shoot your shot, let her know what game you're trying to play. If it's a basketball situation, are you going straight to the net? Is this a football, are there multiple plays here? You gotta be clear, clarity is kind. If you're not clear, we're gonna miss it. See, so often, oh, I gotta clap, okay. So often, we can miss things. It's true with life, it's true in the scriptures, but it's also true in this painting. Because I wonder if you notice, there's something missing that we can so often see but not see. It's the prodigal's brother. You see, he's off in the distant side corner. He's clothed in the very same robes as his father, and yet he's distant, he's tucked away. He's not near the celebration with his father and his brother. Rather, his arms are folded, wanting nothing to do with the situation at hand, and why? It's because he's offended. And being offended is exactly what I wanna talk about tonight. See, because as the scriptures continue, it says this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went ahead and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you go out and kill the fattened calf for him. Do you hear the offense in his voice? Do you hear the anger, the bitterness, the rage? He's offended. And how about you? Are you angry by the way that they spoke to you? Are you hurt? keeping yourself up at night, replaying those words that were spoken to you? Are you mad at what they did or at what they didn't do? Are you mad at what you perceived or what you perceived they may have thought about you? See, some young adult directors, they'll come up and they'll pray to begin every single night and they'll open up the scripture and they'll tell you exactly how a passage in the gospel can apply to your life. And then they'll take you along this three-point beautiful journey of how it can apply to your life. And if you're new, that young adult director is commonly me. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> but I believe in the power of this message so night that tonight that's not what I wanna do. Tonight I actually wanna flip this message on its head and give you the three biggest takeaways that I want you to remember because it's that important. And it's this, you will get offended. And the enemy wants to keep you offended. But don't you dare miss the miracle because of the offense. You will get offended. And the enemy wants to keep you offended. But don't miss the miracle over the offense. See, you will get offended. Just like the older brother was offended, so too can you guarantee that in this life, you're gonna be offended at times. 
In this same gospel of Luke, just two chapters later, we see Jesus, not just anybody, Jesus. I'm talking written in red letters, Jesus. He says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Do you know what impossible means? Impossible. He says it's impossible that no offenses should come. Offenses happening in our lives are inevitable. And here's the reality. Everybody wants to talk about belonging. Everyone wants to talk about the power of finding your people. But what no one mentions is that so often belonging can be the breeding ground of offenses. And why? It's because it takes relationship to become offended. So as long as you are living in relationships, you are going to offend people. You just will. And you see, our scripture, it begins with a relationship. The text said there was a man who had two sons. And this phrase is significant because it's a symbol to us of all the past times this phrase has been written in scripture and we see that there was a brotherly relationship that caused pain. See, if we go back in the Old Testament and we search where this scripture is found, we're reminded of countless examples where pain was produced from a brotherly relationship. We see it with Cain and Abel, when Cain killed Abel over an offense. We see it with Isaac and Ishmael, Abraham's son, who were offended with one another during this power struggle. If you attend on Sundays, you would probably know the story of Jacob and Esau that Pastor Adam has mentioned several times. There are two brothers who fought over this terrible betrayal. See, so often when we're living and belonging, where relationships are present, we're going to experience being offended. And everyone I have ever loved has offended me. My mom, she's offended me. My friends, they've offended me. The church has offended me. My favorite people have offended me. Pastors have offended me. My friends have offended me. I said that twice because there's so many that have offended me. <laughs> so often we can experience offense. And the fact of the matter is, is if you're living in relationship, you're gonna experience it too. But just because you experience it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. You see, Pastor Ben Stewart says, whenever you leverage your life for something that matters, you will face resistance. So if you're facing resistance today, be encouraged that God sees you and it just means you're leveraging your life for something great. See, Ben Stewart saying that sometimes when you leverage your life for something that matters, you'll face resistance shows us that when we're living in relationship, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but rather it's just a symbol that we're in relationship. And I would actually argue that if you're not experienced offenses, you might wanna evaluate your circumstance because it could be potentially that you're living in isolation or you're surrounded by fluffers and not friends. I will say it again. Sometimes you can be surrounded by fluffers and not friends. Sometimes you can be surrounded by fluffers and not Christ followers because Christ followers are marked by grace and truth. Fluffers are just gonna fill you up with empty praises. And so I would argue that if you're not experiencing times where you're getting offended, could it be that you're not experiencing relationship where both grace and truth are present? Because the fact of the matter is, is when you're surrounding yourself and belonging with people who are following Jesus, at times you will get offended by the truth. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong, it just means that you're walking with relationship. 
So if no one's offending you, could it be that maybe nobody is challenging you to become the best you? See, the concern is not getting offended. The concern is staying offended. Because the enemy wants to keep us offended. You see, the enemy, he just soars when you're staying stuck in offense. He loves it. Notice in our scriptures, if we go back, it says that this older brother who's offended and angry, he becomes angry and he refuses to go in. Y'all, there is a party happening. I love a good party. And this man is refusing to go in. Why? It's because he's offended. See, Pastor Robert Madu, he said this great saying that I'll never forget. He said, some people, they'll miss out on the transformative power of the gospel. And it's not because they couldn't comprehend it but rather it's because they were offended. See, there's a redemption story taking place in our scripture tonight. There is a son who is dead and is alive again. There is a son who is lost and he has been found. A celebration is happening and this brother is missing it simply because he refuses to go in over an offense. You got any offenses like that in your life happening? See, in my life, if I'm honest with you, I've been both the one who got offended and I've been the offender. I remember once I had this relationship with this girl. We were really close friends and one day we realized that we had a really significant difference of opinion and so we thought it would be best to not be friends anymore. But we still were in the similar friend groups and so quite often a lot we'd get invited to similar parties and gatherings. And I remember for two years, I would always prepare myself for what it would be like to see this old friend at one of those parties. And yet for two years, not even once did she ever show up. And one day this made my heart really sad because I realized that she missed out on so many great opportunities for community simply because she was offended. And see, so often when we're offended and we're waiting and we're expecting the other one to change, the only one who ends up missing out in the end is us. So often, when we camp out in bitterness, expecting the other one to change, the only one missing out will be you. And if I could just encourage you tonight, do not nurse bitterness. Do not coddle that thing that's out to corrupt your soul. Don't do it. It's not worth it. See, the brother, he's offended, and he stood outside the party, and he told his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you go and kill the fattened calf for him. See, this brother is hurt. And the fact of the matter is, is I can guarantee that there's some of you here in the night and you're hurt as well. And the fact is, is I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what words were spoken to you. I don't know what that person did or did not do. I don't know the pain that you've been feeling, but I know that it's real. See, because this prodigal's brother, everything that he's telling this father is true. His prodigal brother did leave the home. His prodigal brother did squander the inheritance. His prodigal brother did disrespect their father. Everything he's saying is true just as true as the pain that has happened to you. And I don't want you to one second to think that I'm asking you to diminish the pain that you've experienced. 
See, it's not about minimizing the hurt. It's about maximizing your view of God. Because while I don't know how you've been hurt, I know some things about God. God will defend you in any room that he sends you into. In fact, God will actually defend you in rooms that you don't even know about. God says that he is your rear guard found in Isaiah, which means that God has your back. God says, vengeance is mine. Don't worry, I will repay. God says that if someone speaks a narrative about you, his power and his word can contradict that narrative because his word is the one that has the final say. See, we will experience what it's like to be offended, but it's your choice to stay there. I believe Pastor Stephen Furnix said it best when he said, getting offended is an event, but staying offended is a decision. See, you will get offended, but the choice to partner with the enemy is up to you. You can stay rooted in your offenses or you can partner with God in what he says about you and let his scriptures have the final say over the offense and therefore over the enemy. Because the enemy knows that offenses will occupy you. Offenses come and they attack your logical thinking. Offenses come and give you spiritual amnesia to remembering all the things that God has already said about you. And in healthy relationships, please note not unhealthy relationships with repetitive patterns, I'm talking healthy relationships. The enemy will come and he'll try to captivate your attention by reminding you of that one thing that that person did in comparison to all the many things they did right. But most of all, offenses will take away your ability to love like God because you're so captivated by replaying what could have happened or what should have happened or what did happen that you take your eyes off what Jesus would actually want to do through you to show his power. The offenses will happen. And the enemy would love nothing more than for you to stay rooted in that offense. But what would it look like if we started to pray this prayer, God, I surrender my right to be offended. What would it look like? See, I know it hurt. I know it probably hurt more than words. But what would it look like to say, God, I surrender my right to be offended? I surrender that you're gonna justify and fight for me. Because the fact of the matter is that surrendering your right to be offended is what Jesus taught us first. When he went to the cross and he died for us, taking upon every shame and sin we could ever commit. And therefore dying, resurrecting to show us that not even the greatest chains of offense could hold us down. And let me tell you why this is so important. It's because I don't want you to miss the miracle over the offense. Don't miss the miracle over the offense. See Henry now, and he has a book called The Prodigal Son, and it's what inspired this teaching, and so you'll hear me quote him quite a bit throughout this sermon series. But he says in his book, unlike a fairy tale, the parable provides no happy ending. Instead, it leaves us face to face with one of life's hardest spiritual choices, to trust or not to trust in God's all-forgiving love. Unlike a fairy tale, the parable provides no happy ending. Instead, it leaves you with the choice to engage in one of life's hardest spiritual choices, to trust or not to trust in God's all-sovereign power. See, in a culture where victimhood has gone viral, 
in a culture where everyone, everywhere is offended about something, what would it look like as, as Christ followers to say, you know what, I'm not gonna partner with the enemies and his schemes. I refuse to miss the miracle that God is doing because it's covered in an offense. See, the prodigal's brother, he shouts his offenses at his father and then with no further explanation, the parable ends with the father's words. Clear cut, it ends just like this. The father says, my son, see, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. In other words, he's saying, my child, I know it hurt. I know that right now your present circumstance could try to cloud all of the good things that I've already had prepared in advance for you. But we're standing in the midst of a miracle right now. So now you have the opportunity to choose to engage in the celebration or to stay rooted in your offense. See, celebration should be a signature of Christ followers. Because as Henry Nouwen says, resentment and gratitude cannot coexist. Resentment and gratitude cannot coexist. It's hard to count your reasons for gratitude while holding on to a record of wrongs. Gratitude and resentment can never be found together. And the thing about God is he's always orchestrating another miracle. But if you stay offended, you'll miss it. And don't miss the miracle because of the offense. See, in September of this year, I'll be celebrating seven years on staff at New Hope Church. <laughs> Thank you, made the celebration come early. And hey, I know I'm biased, but if you're a guest here in the room tonight, I believe that you've picked one of the greatest places ever to be in. Because this place is my home. This place has been an answer to prayer for me. This place has given me a community that I couldn't have even believed if told if you told me in my loneliest moment. This is a place that saved my soul. This is a place that saved my family's soul. And this is the place that has saved the souls of those that I love. This is the place that hosted my dad's funeral and held my family up during one of the most brokenest of times in our lives. This is the place that held me up when I went through my first breakup. And this is the place that has introduced me to the people that I love most. And yet two years in, I almost missed all of it before it happened, simply because I was offended. See, not many people know this about me, but there was this time when I was about two years to working in on staff and I was just so lonely. And I didn't feel valued, I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel good enough for what I was doing, so I had made in my mind the decision that I was gonna quit. And I'll never forget, we went to this conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And this pastor comes up and he opens up the Gospel of John and he starts to tell this story about this woman who was at home in her hurt when Jesus called her by name to witness a miracle. And that day, don't miss the miracle over the offense, became a pivotal part of my faith journey. Because it showed me that even in my brokenness, God still had good plans. And do you know how many salvations I have seen at this church being here for seven years? Do you know how many baptisms I've been a part of, of watching someone go from dead to life and have a life-changing story? 
Do you know how many first time guests I've seen walk into this place and experience belonging? Just last year in 2023, we saw 199 young adults walk in for the very first time. Do you know how many relationships I've seen get started in this house? Do you know how many babies have been born because their parents met in the young adults ministry? One, it happened last month and I'm just a little bit proud. Miracles. These are living and active miracles. And God's character is to produce miracle after miracle, even after the offense. It's just like he did with Mary when she was stuck at home and Jesus called her out to witness the resurrection of Lazarus. It was just like Jesus did with King David as he called him higher into becoming the king he was always destined to be when Nathan had a confronting conversation with him. It's exactly what we saw happen with Paul when he saw salvations after salvations breaking out in Rome, even though he standed on trial offended all alone. And it's exactly what we saw happen to Jesus when he kneeled in the garden of Gethsemane, as he prayed, not my will, but yours be done, as he chose to go to the cross for us. See, the thing about belonging is it's a great oxymoron because in order to step into belonging, you have to experience both the blessing and the burdens of people. But it's God's nature to produce miracle after the miracle. And it's our call to not miss the miracle over the offense. Because just when you think that God is done, there he goes showing us another miracle. See, when you belong to God, you're invited into seeing miracles after miracles. So tonight, would you stand up with me to your feet as we go to our God in prayer? Well, God, we come before you tonight. And God, I thank you that you do every single thing on our life on purpose. God, I thank you that there are people in this room that thought they didn't even wanna show up tonight and yet God, you called them and God, I thank you that it was for a purpose. God, I thank you that you are the God that does not waste a wait. And God, I thank you that you are the father that was very present in this place. God, I thank you that just as you were present right here, you were also the God that was present in our hurt. And you don't turn a blind eye but rather you're the father that welcomes us home again and again and again. And so God, it's my prayer tonight that as your children come before you, God, as they just heard your word, that you would be the God that would meet with us, that you would be the God that would speak to us, that you would be the God that would break the chains of offenses as we lift up your name on high. God, we thank you that belonging first and foremost is something that's sealed for God's children because we're the ones that belong to the kingdom of heaven. And God, I thank you that when you give us the gift of belonging, you invite us into the greatest adventure of seeing miracle after miracle and open door after open door. So Father, tonight, we give you our worship. We ask that you'd be enthroned on our praises and it's in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus that all of his people said,